Daniel chapter 2. A deep, deep, deep thought. Verse 28. A deep thought. Something we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. Because if we're not careful, we'll forget it real easy. But there is a God in heaven. And that settled it. If there's a God in heaven, then that God in heaven is completely in charge. The Democrats have not been able to eradicate and pull that authority, that supreme being, that uh, Jehovah Jireh, God will will supply God. The Democrat Party or the Republican Party has not been able to wish that power away from God. America is not found in the prophetic handles of the Bible. We're just a little speck in God's great big endeavor. And if you think God is going to allow Washington, D.C. and all of its political hierarchy to throw a monkey wrench into God's plans, you need another education. Because God is in control. So why are you fretting? If you have voted and prayed, then shut up and let God get on with it. Because that's all you can do. Amen. Could I please bring you up contextually? To where we are in the book of Daniel, chapter number 2, in verse 28. Go back in your Bible, if you would, please, to Daniel chapter 1. And we're not going to be here long tonight. There are five reasons. And they're all sitting on that pew right over there. Four of them are grandkids, and one of them is wife. And if I don't expedite this, <laughs> I will need the God of Daniel <laughs> who invaded the lion's den and the fiery furnace to pull me out. Glory to God. So now we'll bow our heads in prayer and go home. <laughs> what precious, precious woman. she I mean grandkids they are. Along about 607 B.C. It was in the third year. This is verse 1. It was in the third year the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. Some four months' journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem has been besieged by a foreign power. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, 
into his hand. The God of the universe who chose Israel to be his witness and his nation has lost the battle because God gave Nebuchadnezzar the victory. Now that don't set very good with God's people. But in verse 1 and 2 of Daniel, God is still in control. And uh, Jehoiakim gave the king of Judah into his, with part of the vessels of the house of God, part of the vessels, not all the vessels, which he carried unto the house of Sinar, the house of his God, and he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake unto Athanaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was not blemish, was no blemish, but well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding in science and such as had the ability to stand uh, in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning of the tongue of the Chaldeans. The devil always wants God's best. Daniel is about 16 to 17 years of age along with his sidekicks and the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat. The best Babylon had to offer. No baloney in this diet. It was all steak. The king's meat. And of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years. That at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, for he gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah of Bendigo. Notice this next word, a conjunction that, that attaches the verses. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, if you read the rest of the chapter, the three years 
has expired, these four young men are now approximately 20, early 20s. They've passed all their university training. They have passed all of their ethical training. They have now arrived and they are sitting as advisors in the king's court of the national power of the day. World power. You see, America is not the only one who has become the world power. There has been world powers throughout all of history. Babylon is one of those or was one of those world powers. Greece was one under Alexander the Great. Rome defeated from the inside, destroyed from the inside by corruption. In which path I think America has jumped on with both feet and we're traveling as at supersonic speed at the same rate that at Rome was destroyed from the inside out morally. Now, three years has expired. Verse 1 of chapter 2, the Bible says, And in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith he, his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and the astrologers and the pollsters and the media and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king and the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king said, not so fast, fellas. If I got to tell you the dream, more than, li more than likely you're just going to hatch up something to appease me. And the king got kind of distraught. In verse number seven, they answered again and said, let the king tell his servants, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation of it. Verse 10, And the Chaldeans answered before the king and said, There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king's matter. Therefore, there is no king, lord, nor ruler, that asked such things as at any magician or astrologer or Chaldean. It is a rare thing <laughs> that the king requires, and there is none other that can show it 
before the king except the gods which dwell is not with flesh. So, verse 13, and the decree went out forth that the wise men, wise men should be slain. And they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. You can't answer my dream, then you will die. And went out a decree throughout all of Babylon that all the wise men, astrologers, advisors, bolsters, politicians, I mean going on, should die. They went out. They were not only looking for the Chaldeans, they were looking for Daniel and the three Hebrew children. They were to die. Well, the word came to Daniel, and uh, verse 15, and the answer, and Daniel said, and answered and said uh, to Eric the king's captain, why is the decree so hasty from the king that Eric made the thing known to Daniel? Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that the, he would show the king the interpretation. On through the chapter, Daniel goes and gets the other three fellows, his friends, and they have an old-fashioned, Holy Ghost-filled prayer meeting. And God answered their prayer. And so now we come back in verse 26. Daniel is in the presence of the king. And the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof? The dream and the interpretation. Not just the interpretation. The dream. Tell me what I dreamed and tell me what it meant. Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. But, king, that's not the end of it. King, you've been knocking on the wrong door. Uh, you've been putting gas in the wrong machine. You've been feeding your hay to the wrong horse because this interpretation is not of men, but there is a God in heaven. Could you apply that to 2020? For the last year, I've been watching the dreams of politicians on television. Pollsters that had it right. Pollsters who've never had it right. TV personalities. Begrading individuals and other personalities uplifting. 
I'm as confused as a grasshopper sitting in the middle of the freeway with my hopper broken. I don't know which way to jump. And I think <laughs> most of you are the same way. Well, I hope there's litigation. I hope there's not litigation. I hope there's all this fraud is brought to pass. I, I hope it all is indicted. I hope so-and-so has to go to jail. I hope, I hope. Listen, would you listen to me just a minute and let me help you a little bit? God is still in control. And heaven is not dependent upon Biden or Trump. Thank God for that. Amen. I said, can you thank God for that? And so I cannot imagine tonight so much frustration. You know, atheists have laughed at our faith in God all these many years, but they've been faithful to celebrate Easter and Christmas. A group of atheists went to Washington one time trying to get the politicians and Congress and, and the hierarchy there demanding to set a date for an atheist holiday. So they, just, so they suggested April 1st. <laughs> Don't use that, Jim. <laughs> Hayward Brown said, Nobody talks so constantly about God as those who insist there is no God. Why are so many atheists who believe and can prove there is no God, why are they so demanding that we not worship and meet and praise and serve God? You know, I read the other day that uh, there are no genuine atheists. The Bible declares that a fool has said in his heart there's no God. So the Bible has proclaimed already that anybody who says there's no God is not worth listening to. He's a fool. Thank God that Daniel was wise enough to give God the credit for what was going on. Now I cannot explain why some folk get sick and some folk don't get sick. I don't understand what's going on in our world in the many, many years that I've lived. But I, I just, I'm just a simple fella, not very smart in any area. I'm, my son blows me away with the things he comes up in his preaching. I have to go home and check them out. And most of them are false, but that's beside the <laughs> I can't whip him and they're too smart to argue with. But uh, I think life can be screwed down to a very simple denominator. Me doing what God said for me to do. I don't take an engineer or, a, or an aeronautical engineer to figure it out. Just do what God said to do. 
That way it won't be too complicated for your kids to follow you. And embrace what you do. Well, Dad, why do you do what you do? Well, the Bible told me to do that. And so I just, I just, it makes common sense also that there's no such thing as an atheist. To be an atheist, you have to say, I know everything and there's nothing I don't know. Have you ever thought about that? An atheist says, I know there is no God. That's pretty smart. So there's no such animal. And it won't take God long to straighten that little deal out. The minute he draws the last breath that God has been generous to give him all these years. And the thing that sets Daniel apart from all the wise men of the world is verse 28. I know there's a God in heaven. Uh, How many denominations do you know that says there's no heaven? They didn't read the book of Daniel, did they? I know this, that I'm especially glad tonight that Daniel clued me in years ago when I read that verse, but there is a God in heaven. Does anybody here tonight believe that? So in times of sorrow and trouble, would you please remember that? When things are not going your way, would you please remember that? When friends are not treating and acting toward you like maybe you think they ought, do you think maybe you could remember that little fact? That there is a God in heaven. And when you begin to get a fever and your heart begins to flutter, And you begin to hurt and ache with pain. Would you please remember there's still a God in heaven. And when sorrow comes down the pike. Oh Daniel saw his precious Jerusalem destroyed. Read about it in the word of God. And see yonder as mothers were eating their own children. Read about it as Solomon has to give wisdom to two ladies who were claiming the same child. And, uh, and one was wanting to uh, cannibalize the other. Uh, you say, well, preacher, things are not that bad in America yet. But even when that was happening in Daniel's day, he remembered there's a God in heaven. And they snatched him, if you please, from his 
palace lifestyle. And they seemed him, if you please, from his delicacies and, and, and his religiosity and slapped him in that little wagon. It made its way across the Arabian desert for four months. And Daniel still believed there was a God in heaven when things wasn't going so good. Would it help us tonight in our sorrow and in our grief and in our misunderstandings and in our heartaches and our hurts, would it be all right if we just take time and remember Washington is not in control? That God is still in control. Well, she shouldn't have done that and he shouldn't have done this. And my dear Lord, would you look in the mirror and apply those same principles to you? Well, they shouldn't have done this or that. We shouldn't have done this or that. So in our misunderstandings, in our lack of understanding, and in our lack of subject matter Around the issue, would it be all right if we just let God take care of it and keep our nose out of it? And just say, thus saith the Lord. I remember in the 2016 elections, my man didn't make it through the primaries. Don't you dare say you voted for Trump in the primaries. With people from Texas running in the primaries. I was about as sick in the primaries as I was in this election. (laughs) Hello, is anybody home? You need to answer your door if you are. And everything turned out all right. If previous presidents has not learned this world, let's give another one a chance. (laughs) Hello. If I'm dialing your number, would you answer your phone and say, Amen, preacher. So in our disillusion. And in our disappointments and in our utter frustration, why don't we just remember there's a God in heaven and he is very much in control. His love has not vanished. His grace is still there. He's still omnipotent in his power, omniscient in his knowledge, and omnipresence in his being. And bless God, he's soon coming king of this universe. So I think we'll just hang on, folk. God is still on the throne. Can anybody say amen? Well, one more point, be all right? (laughs) 
Well, you didn't put it on the outline, so I don't know what to say. Well, could I ask you to do this then? This is deep. You need to really realize it. Remember, when your enemies seek to destroy you, and there is a God in heaven who watches over his own. Oh, I could, I could have written a diary over these many years of people who have vindictively, angrily, maliciously, cruelly have tried to ruin me But I'm still preaching, and I doubt if they're evil in church, even in church. For no reason. For no reason at all. And I was just wondering, like David of old, you know, it wasn't long till after David had slow had slown had slain and slain or killed Goliath. I wanted to help my son. He had trouble with a with a word the other night, and he had the right word. He just kept on going. That's the way it is. But it was not long after David had slain Goliath. And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistines. This is First Samuel 18 and verse number 6. That the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tabrets and joy and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played. And said, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Probably the most faithful, loyal general Saul ever had was David. A tremendous warrior, tremendous character. A slayer of giants. Would it be possible for a man. To be of that value to a kingdom. And yet the king. Becomes so jealous. And envious. And become. A dreaded enemy. Of such a soldier. Verse 8. And Saul was very wrought and to say and displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousand, and to me have they ascended but a thousand. And so I, David, from that day forward, it came to pass on the morrow that an evil spirit 
from God come upon Saul. And he prophesied in the midst of the house, and David played with his hand the other times, and there was a javelin in Saul's hand, and Saul cast a javelin and said, I will smite David even to the wall with it, and David avoid all of his presence twice. And David and Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him. Jealousy, envy over the smallest of things can tear a church literally apart. Well, I like Brother Wolfenbarger preaching better than Andrew. Well, I don't. I like Andrew's preaching better than mine. And it's up to me to preach all the time because I'm getting lazy. Besides that, he's better. So, when envy and jealousy begins to knock at your door, would you remember that there is a God in heaven that can fix that in your life? When I was just a young preacher, and that's been a, I think me and Abraham Lincoln went to some revivals together. I made it an issue in my life to travel across America, wherever it might be, to listen to great preachers preach. I heard the best. I sat with astonishment. That God gave them so much. And I must have been one of those. When God said, I'm going to give you brains. I thought he said train. And I told him, just give me a small one. I have no place to keep it. I've been astounded. At great men. Dr. R.G. Lee. How privileged I was. Hear him preach. Harold Seitler. Jack Isles, John R. Rice, and on and on and on. I would always make it a priority in my life to drive to wherever I had to, to sit and listen to these great men preach. Never have I been jealous or envious because I know who passes out the abilities. And all God wants us to do is to be faithful with what he's given us and not to envy the happiness, the material blessings that he's given to someone else. Can anybody say amen? And the best way you can do that is to have a constant awareness of God's presence. Could I say that again? A constant between bad language 
Between telling somebody going down the freeway with one finger how old you think they are. Between our fears and our doubts and our dreads about another president on the scene. Would you please practice constant awareness of the presence of God? Daniel said, I can't do it. Neither can anybody else. But I know someone who can. And there's a God in heaven that can do that. I close now. Remember Christians, when you fall into sin, there's a God in heaven. And he still says, he that say he hath no sin is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Can anybody say amen? amen. It's not the end just because you acted like it was. It's not the end. It might be a fruitful beginning as you come and kneel at the feet of our Lord, who says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Daniel said, I can't do it, but I know someone who can. Does anybody believe that? Look what time it is. And only four of my grandkids are asleep. <laughs> and my wife is next. And what's so good about God? Remember, if you have never come to Christ to be saved, whosoever will may come. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, you know the rest, shall be saved. And all of God's people said, Amen. I can't. But I know somebody who can. I can't explain to you what's happening politically in America. But I know somebody who knows all about it. And he's still in control.